Welcome to the God's Goodness Podcast, where our mission is to encourage as well as highlight God's goodness and modern day miracles. We are your hosts, Josh and Shelley Hankins. Today we have with us a special guest. His name's Dominic DeMarco. And I was telling my boss the other day, the more I get to know Dominic, the more I like this guy. So without further ado, he's going to open us our episode with an opening prayer. First, I'd like to say thank you to God. That's first and foremost. And thank you guys for this opportunity to do God's work, God's will. So, Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you today with a prayer of thanksgiving. We ask you for nothing. We just say thank you for the life you've given us, the opportunities to do your will and your works. We just ask that today that we be a vessel of your peace, your word, your understanding, that they may bless one person or help one person navigate through a trying moment, a difficult day, and just make a bad day a bad moment. So I just ask you to wrap your loving arms of protection around each and every one of us in this crazy, cruel world. And we thank you for the life you've given us. In Jesus' name, we praise you, mighty God. Amen. Amen. So where would you like to start, Dominic? Well, maybe the beginning. Okay. So for me, the beginning isn't the day I was born. For me, the beginning is the day I was reborn and mm-hmm. the birth of Christ. And that came in the form of um, an experience in the Allegheny County Jail. I met a lady there. Her name was Sister Tony, and I was on a 24-hour lockdown because I was a, a violent, vicious guy back then um, due to drugs and alcohol. And she used to come by the cell, and she'd always say, can I pray with you? And I'd say, Sister, take that down the road. I'm good. You know, I was born and raised Catholic. There's nothing wrong with that. To me, being born and raised Catholic was like wine, and being a Christian is like moonshine. That's the best way to explain the extreme difference. The Catholic religion introduced me to God. My Christian family introduced me to Jesus Christ. And there's Mm. an amazing difference in that. So I'm sure you understand. Yeah. The relationship is everything. It is everything. I'm glad you said we were just talking before we started this uh, about the the change in our life and that that relationship with God changed just one thing for me. Everything. Yeah. So Sister Tony came by on this particular day and she said, hey, can I pray with you? And, and I had said no so many times before this. And uh, this particular day, I, I wanted to stir it up a little bit. So for me as an inmate to stir it up, I knew they'd have to call a bunch of people to get me out of the cell to do this. So I said, yeah, you can pray with me today. And she said, well, open the cell. And they said, Sister Tony, we can't do that. This We, we need to call the CERT team. We need the white shirts here, so, you know, security. This is a dangerous man, you know. And she looked at me and she goes, you're not going to hurt me, are you? And I said, absolutely not. She goes, you're not going to hurt them, are you? And I, I smiled. I said, not unless they make me, <laughs> you know. But I wasn't good. I was just joking. So... The chain of events took place and I got on my knees and she got on her knees and Sister Tony was in her late 70s at this time. We prayed and uh, when I stood up, only one thing changed in my life. Everything. That day, I no longer stressed over minor details and things. I I no longer wanted to be vicious and violent. God, through Sister Tony, had planted a seed Hmm. inside of me. And, you know, picking up a Bible and reading scripture and, and putting him first, making decisions that would make him proud of me, not disappointed in me, began a transformation. Now, I, well, let me tell you, I didn't, they didn't open up the doors and say, okay, you're a Christian now. You can go home. I still had to go to prison for seven years. So go. when was that experience with? 1996. No, but like how long were you in prison for? Seven years. No, but like when did you come to know pray and then... Like How long were you in jail before your sister? About 14, 16 months. Okay. And then you prayed with her? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just wondered how long you were in prison 
getting closer, you know, to Jesus and the Word. Right. Oh, and also, this was an immediate transformation. Like, like God took the thunder out of your pretty sail. much uh, within a within a day or two. Like things changed, you know. But but that's let me say this. You know, when you accept God and Jesus Christ in your life, the devil don't like that. You mm-hmm. know, the devil doesn't attack what is already his. If the devil's not attacking you, you're doing everything wrong. Mm-hmm. And let me say that's so you know, the way you understand it. If you're hurting people and you're deceiving people and you're part of the, the problem and not the solution, the devil's not going to get in the way. He wants you to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. But the minute you accept Jesus Christ in your life and you start to make embrace the transformation, because we don't make it, God does. Mm-hmm. So when we embrace that transformation, the devil will come at you. And he doesn't come at us like a freight train head on. He comes at us with a little inconvenience, a little white lie. And, and sometimes the white lie is not even about someone in front of me or behind me or next to me. Sometimes it's like, you know, it's going to rain today. Your body's going to hurt today because of the rain, because of all the things you did. Meanwhile, I look, I don't see a cloud in the sky, but he'll have me thinking it's going to rain. And that's what he does with misdirection. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the bad news. The good news is he can't take away anything he didn't provide. And that's in scripture. Mm-hmm. The devil cannot take from you what God has given you. So for that reason, his biggest toll is misdirection. You know, have you second guessing your decision? Did you yell at your son for maybe playing on the game too long and you feel bad about it? It's not about the game. It has nothing to do with the game. It has to do with something else. It's just what can he do to create minor inconveniences and misdirection? Because if you're focused on his pain, his misery, his lies, his cheating, his stealing, his killing, You're not focused in on God and Jesus Christ. And and the devil doesn't hate you. He doesn't hate me. He hates God. Mm -hmm. And and, and if if someone wants to get even with with Josh and and Shelly, they're not going to come at you. They'll come at your family, your children. And that's exactly what the devil does. He comes at God's children, and that's us. So I've often said that the devil doesn't care about us, like or hate. We're nothing to him. But it's a way he uses to get to God like a little child. Correct. So... In the moment, in the very moment you accept Jesus Christ, everything changes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, let me say it differently. For me, everything changed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say it was any more, any less than anybody else's experience with it. But when I accepted Jesus Christ into my life, things just got easier. If you stepped on my toe, I could say, hey, Josh, that's okay. You know, God gave me nine more. And we chuckle. That would be it. But if I step on your toe, you'd be like, that's okay. I can't forgive me. Why is it easier for me to forgive you than to forgive me? Well, that's the devil. He creates that seed of doubt inside of us, the less than. You know, I'm a recovering alcoholic and an addict. And, um, you know, I learned a couple things in treatment. I've been doing this clean and sober thing 28 and a half of the last 30 years. Okay. And I didn't become a drug addict and an alcoholic because I wanted to go out and be a bum. I became a drug addict and an alcoholic because I got shot twice in nine months twice in nine months and had PTSD and had no tools to navigate through Mm. the healing process of that. So that process took me, took me in that direction. But what's really important is I remember somebody saying to me and and Dom, you have to get in, in addiction. You have to give up every single thing that you love in this world for that one thing, that chemical. But in recovery, you have to just give up one thing to have everything. And I was like, wow, I can understand that. I can embrace that. And my life just got instantly better. I, you know, once I accepted Jesus Christ, I didn't have to get loaded anymore. It became easier for me to stay clean and sober. And there was a 
a pastor, and I'm not going to say his name here because I don't know where he is today. And I know he went through his own troubles because, you know, we're human beings. He said, Dom, he says, you know, Jesus died for that one too. He, he turned to God and said, hey, you know, you see what Dom did? Yeah. Put that on my tab. I got that one. God, I died for that one too. So when I realized all he did for me, all he did for us, all he did for you, can I do one little thing for him? Mm-hmm. And that's just, just where I'm at today. You know, I, I just spoke to some people. I spoke to a group of kids at a funeral. So I'm, I'm an ordained minister. I got ordained back in 2022, August 15th of 2022. And I don't really like to do weddings because if a person can't look at me and say, I'm going to exhaust every tool at my disposal before we ever talk about divorce, I'm not going to go to God and say, hey, listen, can we join this union together? Mm -hmm. So there's no greater honor for me to be invited to help celebrate someone's life and say goodbye, because that's what my mission was when this started. When I started this journey in, in, in Southeastern University in online classes to become an ordained minister, my, my first assignment is why did you choose this path, this journey, you know, in, in 500 words or less. And, and basically what I said was, you know, because my wife died of cancer in, in November 5th of 2019, and there was nobody there to minister because, to her because of COVID. And I don't want anybody to have to make that transformation alone. Well, a couple hours later, I got a call like 11 o'clock at night and I get up early, early at four o'clock in the morning. And it was my instructor. And he said, you know, introduced himself and he goes, was that true? And I'm like, absolutely. He goes, you're going to be fine. He goes, you know, I've been doing this like 17 years. I've never heard that. And it's funny because that's where God seems to use me most. I've done a couple weddings. I'm, I've married a couple couples because they've said to me, I'll exhaust everything before I even talk about the verse. And, and, and the other thing is, the other couple said to me, I remember when I got married to my wife, Pastor David Ells. We didn't have marriage classes back then. So what happened was David came to stay with me through for three days. My wife, Deb, went to stay with his wife for three or four days. And basically, David would come and he would throw stuff on the floor, clothes, leave dishes in the sink, leave the trash out, block my car in. And I was like, what are you doing? He goes, well, I just want you to know not, what not to do when you're married to your wife. And we ended up going to a restaurant out in Squirrel Hill like the Thursday before we got married. And that was called Pole Eyes. And... We were sitting there and she said, uh, Deb, God rest your soul, said, uh, you know, I, I ask about how we met, things. And she goes, and I just don't know what I would do without him. And for the first time, David Ells got really firm. And he looked at us and he said, well, you better figure that out. Because one day God is going to call one of you home and not the other. And you're going to figure out how you have to navigate through this. And I had no idea of the gravity and the impact of that statement until she took her last breath. Because all along... How could you? All along, I had assumed it would be me that passed mm -hmm. and not her because of my life, because of the decisions I had made, because of my health, you know, family history, a lot of different reasons. And secretly, I think subconsciously, you probably felt you deserved it. Absolutely. Josh, that's a, that's a great statement because how we see us... And how other people see us is completely different. Mm -hmm. Now, let's take that to the next level. One of my greatest spiritual gifts is I see you at your highest and best the way God sees you. Mm. I don't see when, when I drive by and I see the homeless guy on the street. I don't see the homeless guy on the street. I see the husband, the father, the son, the brother. I see all of his accomplishments, not whatever defining moment 
happened in his life, traumatic moment, to put him or her in that position. So my, instantly, I want to say, let me stop here. You know, the first time you might get a dollar or two. Uh, if you're a homeless veteran, I've been known to give you everything in my pocket, which can be little or it could be a lot. I've been known to take them, put them in the car and take them to a hotel and get them cleaned up and, and get them into rehab. Only they'd get a call a few months later the day had passed away or an overdose. Because that happens too, I mm-hmm. But how we see us and how other people see us is completely different than how God sees us. Mm-hmm. See, because he knew who we were when he created us. The yeah. final masterpiece. The final masterpiece. So great. Shelly, you hit the nail on the head. So, I'm like a fine wine aging, you know, getting better with age. I'm so, in my 40s. So he, I think a masterpiece. So how about when people say, I'm damaged, I'm broken. You're not damaged and broken. Listen, I'm in construction. If I go out to my truck right now, I can get the hammer out of there and I can come in and I can take it to this desk and I can break it up into a thousand little pieces. Or I could get my smaller hammer and I come in and I could chisel away at it and create the masterpiece underneath. Sometimes the hammer is used for multiple two to purposes. Sometimes the hammer is meant to destroy things, the devil. And sometimes the hammer is meant to cultivate or sculpt the final product underneath, which is the greatest beauty. Have you ever looked at somebody's social media post or a picture and said, wow, that's a beautiful picture. The master has painted another amusing masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, think about the, the hurricane that came through for that, that storm that cleaned off the sand. Not every storm is designed to destroy us. Sometimes it's designed to cleanse us. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is, um, I just read recently a really profound statement. You know, I can't control the wind, but I can adjust my sails. Mm. So sometimes the wind doesn't blow through to destroy my life. Sometimes the wind blows through to just clear the way. Can be refreshing. And be refreshed. Oh, yeah. You're looking a nice hot day and that cool breeze comes and it just reinvigorates you. You're just like, oh. Amen. I, I often will get up in the morning and let the dogs out and uh, I'll sit there and I'll just breathe in the air and imagine if the Holy Spirit filling my lungs and I just give that moment to God. You know, you, you prayed us in and, and you say, we're not coming to ask you for anything, just to thank you, right? That's how I start my mornings. I don't ask him for anything. I just say, I just want to spend this moment with you. You know, this is, this is where I want to be rooted with you and I just breathe it in and imagine it's the Holy Spirit. I think the wind is a well, well, wonderful tool. And I've seen the destruction it can do. Mm. You know, it can go either way. It's just like our tongues. Mm. You know, we have this powerful tool for creating and encouraging. I'm I'm apparently really good at encouraging people, but I haven't always. I've been able to destroy people with this tongue. That's the way God made us in his image that he can create and he can destroy, but he chooses to create. And so I think we need to take that mantle and also choose to create because he could easily just wipe us all out like with the flood. He can easily just, whoop, I'm done with it. Done. He won't, and he didn't send Jesus for that very reason. He didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but to save the world. Right. John 3, 17. It's my, it's my favorite passage in the Bible because it's often overlooked. Everyone always goes to John 3, 16. It's mm-hmm. like, but you can't stop there. That's right. I will never read 3, 16 without reading 3, 17. You know, I'm glad you said that. And and, and there's a couple other scriptures that, that, that really, really hit home. And it's uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. If you know not the plans I have for you. You know, I remember early on as I undertook this journey into spirituality for uh, and ministry, 
I kept saying, because everybody else was saying, you can't do that. You, you've been with a lot of women. You can't do that. You were in organized crime. You can't do that. You, you've done this. You can't do that. You were an addict alcoholic. But when I had that spiritual awakening we spoke about earlier. I was driving up 885. The clods separated. The sun came on. I heard from the back seat of my car where my pit bull and my lab were. Yes, you can. He was qualifying you this whole time. Yes. You were you called can. and he qualified you. Yes, you can. How did that make you feel mm. when you had that affirmation from God himself? Scared. I'm not going to lie. I, I was fearful. You know, and, and, and Pastor Pete, we, we, there's a joke between me and Pastor Pete Jackalone. You guys said he was on the show. He's an amazing man of God. He has an anointing over him that just has a way of just tying it together and helping you, helping you understand whether you're a theologian or, or a construction guy like me. You just understand it. He has a, his way of that. But the broken are not broken. They're under construction. Hmm. I was sitting there thinking about I'm in the middle of doing something um, a little different. And and I was thinking about this. I was writing something the other day. And, and for me, it came down to this. The well don't need a physician. There's a reason God takes us through the steps. So remember when you were a baby, you had to crawl before you walked. You had to walk before you ran. But then you learned to run. And then you, then you have to learn how to control that. Well, our spirituality is the same way. We have to exercise our spirituality like we exercise our bodies, our minds, mm -hmm. our soul. If we're not exercising, if we're not in the solution, we're probably in the problem. Yeah, I agree. If you're not trying to stand, you're in no business crying about not being able to. Right, right. And the other half of the coin is um, I don't mind being the devil's workshop. I can see that. I can see that in my life. I can see that over the years. I can see that in people around me. I've been very fortunate. I've been very blessed with the opportunity to, uh, to live two lives as an alcoholic and an addict and to make that struggle to get back, but now to, to reap the rewards as a child of God and to see the transformation in my life, you know. The BC and after Christ. Yes, yes. You know, I remember there was a uh, there was a, a, a probation officer and I was in prison, I told you this, and he says, oh, and, and uh, you know, he was very condescending. And uh, he said to me, oh, so I see you, you go to church. And I said, yeah, I do. And he says, uh, so what'd you do? Come to jail and find God. And I immediately went to his defense and I said, no, I didn't find God here. He was never lost. I was, you know, he was taken back by that statement. But, you know, how dare you question my relationship with the God of my understanding without qualifying the relationship with the God of your understanding? Mm -hmm. And he said to me, what do you mean a God of your understanding? You know, I said, well, you can't have a relationship with my God. You can have a relationship with your God. Although our gods are probably the same, you have to have a relationship with your God. Now, if you don't have a God, you can borrow mine until you find one of your own. But in the interim, you better have a relationship with God because one day, and he said, what makes you, you know, you're falling for that biggest scam there is, that religious scam. It's been going on for thousands of years. And I said to him, I said, well, what's your name? And he says, my name's Bob. Or Robert. I said, can I call you Bob? Or Robert, you could call me Bob. I said, Bob, let me ask you a question. I said, uh, you drive with car insurance? He says, yeah, what's the law? I said, do you have homeowner's insurance? He said, yeah, but it's, I have to have it for my mortgage. I said, how about health insurance? He goes, yeah, they give me health insurance here with the state. I said, well, consider my relationship with God, eternity insurance. If I'm wrong, what do we got to lose? Mm -hmm. If I'm wrong. But if you're wrong, you only have one thing to lose. Everything. Everything. Yeah, I saw that coming. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
I actually appreciate atheists because for me, they drive it home how real God is. As you said earlier, the devil doesn't attack people that aren't in relationship with Christ because there's right. no point. And then we see atheists. How many times do you see them coming after a Muslim or Hindu or a Buddhist or Scientologist or Krishna or, or anything other than a Christian? I'm glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because you, you don't. Because we are Christians and their interpretation of what the Bible says is that, you know, love one another as I've loved you. That's true. But there's nowhere in my Bible that says be the victim. Right. So, and I said this to somebody, I, I just recently, just joking, but I, I said it, me and Sam Gatano, we were, we were, we're on vacation and you said Sam's been here before. He's an amazing man of God, a good brother, friend and brother of mine. But somebody said something. They said, well, that doesn't sound very Christian-like. I said, it's funny. I've never seen you at my church. Huh? I said, well, here's the deal. Well, I don't, maybe I don't go to your church. I said, well, here's the deal. Come to my church once and I'll come to your church. Well, Why? Well, because I'm dying to see where your perception comes from. I said, listen, I'm a Christian, but I'm a human being. I, I always say this. I say, so I'm a Christian, so I know how to ask God for forgiveness. I'm an excavator, so I know how to dig holes. I'm a former martial artist and a boxer, so I know how to strike and break the human body. Be careful. I'm a multitasker. Now, and I know how to ask for forgiveness. And now that I'm in ministry... And I, I can, with the excavator, I can dig the hole and pray over your body before you come into the earth. No, I say it as a joke. And I said, I'm a great multitasker. And he looked at me all offended. And Sam goes, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so people think that as Christians, we should be doormats. No, our job as Christians is to introduce people to God and Jesus Christ and to help them navigate their relationship with God. Yes. Yeah, that's key. That's the discipleship. Right. He didn't call us to convert the world. He called us to make disciples of all the nations, right? And you can't make a disciple if you have no relationship with them to teach them the word of God to the best of your understanding or lead them to someone who can. Josh, that's amazing. I, I thank you for that. Something else that was pointed out to me, I, I used to, yeah, we've, all, we've all heard it said, it's not what I say that matters, it's what I do. That's wrong. That's incorrect. It's, it's what I say and what I do. It's, by yeah. having, it's about having a consistency of buying through our relationship with God and Jesus Christ. Now, as we're sitting here talking, let me say this. None of this has anything to do with Dom or Shelly, or Josh. It's all about God and Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Listen, he ordained this. He knew this was going to happen today long before we ever even thought about it. Oh, yes. When I was shooting pole back in the 80s or 70s, he knew I'd be here in 2024 because he knows things we don't. Sometimes I'll pray and I'll ask God to reveal me just a glimpse of his will for us and give me the power to help carry that out. Mm -hmm. Now, I encourage you not to pray for patience. You will not like how that works out. <laughs> I actually encourage people to pray for the hard things because right. you'll never get it. You'll be like, oh, I don't want to pray for that because he'll test me. Let him test you. Hey. Let him, like, what are you afraid of? It's God testing you. He's not going to kill you to do this. It's, it's going to mold you and make you better. And yes, you're going to have a struggle. He, you, a live branch being pruned is still painful. Amen. Uh, so we, let we, him do it. We serve a God of abundance, not a God of mediocrity. You know what? The profound change in our personality is the testimony of his grace and his mercy. Mm -hmm. You know, he took uh, the apostle Paul. He, he murdered Christians. He took him. Now he's the father of the church. You know, he, he's the tax, Matthew, the tax collector. He used 
the most obscure people mm -hmm. to send the biggest message because I asked somebody, um, why, why such a dramatic transformation? He said, Adam, it had to be traumatic. So they're still talking about it thousands of years later. Yes. And to me, that just rang home. Yes. If he, if he took a bunch of Sadducees and Pharisees and scribes and teachers of the law, people would say, huh. But he literally sat down with the dregs of humanity or what was considered the dregs of humanity in that time. Fishermen weren't really looked upon as the best thing you could do. The tax collector certainly wasn't the best you could do. He had a zealot on his team that was willing to lay his life down for his concept of who God was without even knowing who Jesus was, right? And he took these people who didn't like each other because of the same cultural differences that they had. And, and man, he just made a group that was beyond reproach in considering that so many people think that this is made up, right? How did these people that started off not liking each other preach a message of love in a way that was contradictory to the, the hateful message that was spread before it all the way to their death if it wasn't true? Why would I let this kill me if I didn't believe it? To me, there's so much testament and proof in the Bible that people gloss over and don't understand because they don't bother to give God the chance to let him make it clear to them. That's a great point. For me, you know, in 2024, I see two things. I see a sad state of affair where, where our world is gone mm. and, and where I see it going. It's no longer acceptable for me to talk about God and Jesus Christ in an open face. We could talk about transgender and changing, cutting body parts off. We can't talk about God, but we can talk about destroying people. I put a post on a- Yeah, you can't pray over people, but you can say curses over them. Ain't that funny? And I was going to allude to that. So I, there's a, I'm on a social media site platform and uh, I got flagged for um, saying something that was uh, what they deemed inappropriate. It was spiritual. You know, I was talking about the crucifixion mm. and the resurrection, <laughs> but it wasn't okay for them to sit there and, and belittle each other and, and criticize someone who had a mental dis dis disability. So for me, just the, I, I got off of that site, just so you know, I, I'm not on that site anymore. My, my point being is the world's gone mad. However, instead of me sitting around saying the world's gone mad, I look at that and say, okay, here's an opportunity. If we can introduce one two, three, four of these people to God and Jesus Christ. And they can introduce one, two, three, four people. Do you know why people attack the Christians? I'm going to give you the answer. Because we are not the most popular religion out there. We are the minority. Oh, yes. there, are, there are more Islams in the world than there are Christians. There are more Hindus than there are Christians. So what sells in sales? The masses. Ain't it funny how everybody celebrates Christmas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. You never hear the atheist cry when they get Christmas off from work and, and right. have it paid. Mm -hmm. Right. They'll decorate, too. I'm sure some do. I'm, right. Hold on. I want to tell you. I'm, I'm sure some. I just never hear it. Right. My point being is it's funny how the whole world shuts down for that day. Mm -hmm. But you know what? No, listen, Ramadan. The only time I hear about Ramadan, it's on the news. So my, my point being is oh, so it's called benefits and burdens. You can't have the benefits of being a Christian without the burden and responsibility of talking to people about God and Jesus Christ. So I'm involved in a group called Life Recovery. And in April of this year, we're going to do a conference with all, like a lot of different pastors and, and priests and different things to get these 12-step, Christian-based 12-step fellowship out to all areas and walks of life. And I said to a couple people in our Life Recovery, I said, you know, I already talked to an imam 
and um, you know a, a rabbi. And they looked at me and they said, Dom, this is uh, Christ's base. I go, yep. I said, you know what? I don't have to tell them how to do their book. I just have to tell them about Jesus Christ. That's my job. What they do with it from there is not entirely up to them. Mm-hmm. You plant know? the seed. Plant the seed. And, and, and that's an, I'm glad you said that because everybody says, if you reap what you're going to reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't like what you're reaping, sow something different. And God's word doesn't return void. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but let me say that again. If you don't like what you're reaping, sow something different. Mm-hmm. If your life is, if uh, listen, if you're comfortable in, in your mediocrity, if, if you're if your bills are paid and there's food in your house and you're living abundantly, don't, don't you don't want to listen to me. You have not. I got nothing for you. But if you're struggling like the rest of us, if you're tired of the pain and suffering that people, human beings, are causing in the world, sow something different. Talk to somebody about God and Jesus Christ. Somebody cut me off in traffic and then gave me the finger and I got out of the car and I, and I went over and, and I had one of my guys and he's looked to see what I was going to do. I'm, you know, I'm a big guy, you know, and, and uh, I can be intimidating if I want to be. And I, and I went over and I said, sir, are you suffering from a medical event? He said, huh? Sir, are you okay? Are you suffering from a medical event? Because that move leads me to believe that you're not well. And my guy look in the truck. He just looks at me. He just starts laughing. We get it. You're okay. Okay, just making sure. And he, he got out. He goes, "Well, man, I thought you were going to do something real, real bad to that guy." I said, "You know, what would that have changed if I let him pull me into that behavior? What would that have changed? What I did was put him on notice to say, is everything okay? Can I pray for you?'" You know, you asked, "What would that have changed?" I'm going to go ahead and use your tagline. It could have changed everything. He could have brought the old Dom back and he could have forgot everything he trusted Jesus for. I'm glad you said that, Josh, because I said earlier in this podcast, I hadn't had, you know, it was 28 and a half years, but I've been clean and sober for over 14 and a half years at this point in time. And as long as I don't hurt somebody who's innocent, I don't have to then hurt myself. Let me, let me qualify that for you. I don't take drugs and alcohol today because I don't hurt people, the wrong people. Because when I hurt somebody else, the wrong person, Shelly, the next thing I do as an addict alcoholic, it's hurt myself. So as long as I'm in the solution, I don't have to be the problem today. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned earlier before we, uh, we got on that uh, not every door that's opened has been opened by God for us to use, that sometimes the enemy will use the door. And I think things like that allude to how the enemy can try to open a door to cause you to fall, and not just a little bit, but to fall all the way. Romans 8.28. But the devil meant for evil, God will turn for good for those who love him. Yes. And, and I said that earlier in, in, in one of these things that were right. You know, God didn't open the door for another man's wife to end up in my bed or, or for my wife to end up in another man's bed. God didn't open a door with a, an abundance of money for me to run to the casino and squander it. That's the devil. God didn't, uh, Don, God didn't have the guy show up with the good crack cocaine or the good alcohol or the good heroin. I'm not into, but those aren't all by and for God. Things that you enjoyed at the time. Some of them. I don't even want to say I enjoyed them. That statement of enjoying them, that went away early on. Maybe some alcohol. And let me tell you what I enjoyed. Maybe not the alcohol. I enjoyed not having to be Dominic DeMarco for a short period of time. Mm. I was able to numb that pain. But very quickly, <laughs> it stopped taking away the pain. And the, the chemical had to graduate to get the same result of the remove that pain. I had some surgeries about a year and a half ago and um, they gave me some, some pain medication. And, and I said to my doctor, 
she kept saying, you, you need more. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I don't need it. You don't get behind on this. Again. A lot of people get behind and then they, they get themselves in trouble. And I said, the, the physical pain that I'm in today is nowhere near the mental, spiritual, or emotional pain I'll be in if I start introducing chemicals into my body. Now, was it the right decision? I like to believe it was. But more importantly is there are worse things than death. There really are. You know, we just got through a, a pandemic here in this world, and I don't want to say that it was political, but it was political. And I'm not going to get into that. I'm just going to say it's funny how it was okay to leave Home Depot and Lowe's open, but it wasn't okay to, to keep the church open. Or gyms. Right. You Stuff know? that'll keep you healthy. Yeah. yeah, right. I work in EMS, and I can right. go ahead and tell you that everything you're saying is, is a hit, not a miss. Right. And the other half of the coin is, am I disputing that the, there was a disease out there? Not at all. There was a disease out there that's killing people. But I believe that disease was man-made. It just didn't show up here one day. Listen, it's 2024. And, and I'm not the smartest guy in the world. But, I, you know, I'm a math guy. And when two and two make three, something's missing. So with that statement, it's amazing. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Well, you know, I'm in construction. I'll build a dead man. We'll hold it back up. <laughs> Don't sit around crying. You got one moment to tell me about the problem, Josh. The rest of the time, let's figure out the solution. And the solution comes and through and by Jesus Christ. That's it. By his stripes, we are healed. Mm -hmm. There's people in the world who would rather sit around and, and scream about the problem than accept the responsibility of the solution. Doesn't send their message mm -hmm. or tell their story in a light that, that shows them in their best. Remember when you were young, you had that your first uh, boyfriend and girlfriend and your heart was broken. But then your second relationship comes and it breaks up and it's a little easier to navigate through. And then, you know, the third relationship, maybe, maybe it's really to get along. It was a physical thing. She's pretty, he's cute, whatever. But your body learns to navigate through. Well, COVID's the same way. It, like it's going to evolve. You're going to evolve and we are going to evolve. And it's a caterpillar and a butterfly. We're in the cocoon. And before Christ and after Christ in my life, I soar as a butterfly in Christ. The caterpillar of this world, by and for this world, living in this world, not of this world, or of this world instead of in this world. Yeah, it was staggering and it was taxing. It weighed me down living by man's law, man's rules. I like my life with God in my life today. You know, it, it's completely different. We were talking earlier and we showed, I showed you a couple of pictures, one of my arrest photos from like 1996. And it wasn't very flattering. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're much better in person yeah, thank than you. you were in that photo. Thank you. But the reality, that's, that's him. We are all created in his image. So I just preached this a few weeks ago. So when you walk in and you see something, there's something about that person. You said earlier, when you met Shelly, there was something about her. You know, when you said, when you saw him, that's the relationship with God and Jesus Christ and being open-minded enough to, to invite him in. When we hide behind that wall, we're not just keeping the world out. We become a prisoner from within. Mm. And there's a freedom that lives and grows inside of us. I started to say it earlier, but we got sidetracked. But Pastor Pete, very good, dear friend of mine. Yeah, we were doing a class between the two groups here at church in um he said uh, something about, well, what's bigger, your faith or your fear? And I said, my face bigger. It's got five letters, not four. And he, he looked at me with a scowl. <laughs> but the reality is 
what's bigger, my faith or my fear? It depends on which one I cultivate, which one I feed. It's like that old proverb about the two wolves, you know, the good wolf and the, and the bad wolf. Well, which one's bigger? The one you feed. One you feed. So, you know, as we navigate through today and we navigate through 2024, I got to tell you, the best is yet to come. This is, listen, it's not about what happens here on earth in 2024. Mm-hmm. It's about the seeds we plant and those we cultivate to see where this is going to grow. If you want a better world for you and your children, start cultivating a better world. You know, and instead of sitting around and complaining about the neighbor who does this, maybe doesn't cut their grass, does this, does that, or, or whatever, try reaching out and putting yourself in their shoes. Ask them, what can I do to help? I did an exercise at church and I, I put a gentleman on one side of the room and a gentleman on the other side of the room. And I said, what do you see? And they told me what they see. And I said to them, the guys after I said, do you see that? He goes, no. I said, do you see that? No, I said, here, change places. So instead of sitting around and arguing over your opinion or my opinion or what, how you see something, try putting yourself in that person's position. It'll help you understand maybe why they think the way they think, maybe why they're acting the way they act. But more so, it'll also help you understand how you can help them navigate out, what steps you need to take to help them get through whatever they're going through. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you know, there are uh, there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. There's 1,050 in the New Testament, but it all comes down to these two. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love one another as I have loved you. So if you want to learn something really special today, spend some time with your dog. I heard you talking about your dogs. I just got a new puppy a few weeks ago. He is my guy. His name is Bandit because he steals hearts. He also steals shoes and food. (laughs) He reaffirms to me every single day the greatest gift that God's given to us, and that's unconditional love. Mm. So why can't, as human beings, we learn to love one another the way God is, the way Jesus loved us, and unconditionally? The minute we start putting conditions on our love for someone, I love you as long as you're 120 pounds. Well, you know, hon, you know, I, my thyroid's acting up and this happened I, and I went through some stuff. I'm 175 pounds. Now, now they're getting divorced and he's looking at the secretary or this and that. Instead of them communicating, navigating through the problem, their unconditional love has what? Conditions. And that goes, love one another as I have loved you. Well, I'm leaving my husband or my wife because she's an active alcoholic or an addict. Isn't that in sickness and health? And wasn't that one of the things we talked about before we got married? How about loving them back to health? See, as a woman, Shelly, you need to feel loved. Mm-hmm. We tell Josh, hey, listen, Josh, take out the trash. Hey, I'm going to get that. So right after this play, I'm, I'm going to take that trash out. And, and he forgets. You wake up and say, he doesn't love me. He didn't take the trash out. Well, that's not true. He just forgot. And Josh, you need to feel respected. She needs to feel love and you need to feel respected. So, you know, when, when you, you say you come home, you say it was a hard day's work and uh, I'm hungry. There's nothing on the table to eat. But she was taking care of stuff at her job today, too. Nothing stops us from doing doing two rules here. But I just feel disrespected instead of communicating that. We live in a world where it's easier to go online and, and look at a social media site or maybe text pictures of our body back and forth. Listen. You know why relationships lasted so long, 100 years ago? 
There's no social media. There's no social media. You know, we went through a class about love and respect. I love that book, just so you know. We could tell that you you had read it or had heard of it. And there's another book I'm going to talk about when we're done here, too. It's a vicious cycle because when you feel unloved, you're going to show disrespect. And when you feel disrespect, you're going to show act in unloving ways. And one of the tips that we learned from that, you know, the, the men speak the blue language, the women speak the pink. And sometimes you need to reset. And sometimes if I'm feeling unloved, I need to say, I'm feeling a little unloved and this, you know, and then say what could be different. And then, you know, he'll say, I'm feeling a little disrespected. Did I do something to make you feel unloved? Mm. And when you put it that way, it kind of changes things and opens up that conversation to get back on track a little bit. What I find is is funny, not haha, but peculiar, is how you can speak to each other before you get deeply involved in a relationship. And something you say that's a quip is funny. And then they say it again when you're deep in the relationship and it's taken the wrong way every time. And I think that comes from a place from a lot of people that have experienced not unconditional love when they were younger. And so they assume that you can't love them. So they assume the wrong way every single time. And that puts such a challenge on our relationship with the father because we assume that he loves us, but not in an unconditional way that I need to please him in some way. Right. And we can read it all day long. Hey, while we were still sinners, he gave his son for us. Right. We could read all day long how he meets us where we are, Amen. not where we ought to be mm-hmm. because he sees his finished work. But it's so hard to wrap your brain around that when you have suffered some kind of trauma. And I think a married couple has an edge on single people in that they can lift each other up and reaffirm that unconditional love when practiced correctly. When practiced correctly. I'm glad you said that. That's amazing. That's a great vision. And I can see you're saying there's another book out there. Uh, Sam's wife, uh, Amy, helped me with this. See, when Deb passed away, I didn't have any of these skills. Uh, you know, I, I built a building like a son of a gun, but you know what I mean? But as far as these personal things we're talking about now, these would have been uncomfortable for me five, 10, 20 years ago. But I got myself some good grief counseling. And when I started dating, even though I didn't have an issue, I did couples counseling. And then when I broke up in that relationship, I did 16 couples therapy sessions alone because I wanted to not carry the skeletons from my past into a future relationship. But Amy gave me this book. It's called The Five Languages of Love. And it's an amazing yeah. book. And, 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 if, and, and But there, it led me in another direction to the five languages of apology. So as a couple, it's written by Henry Cloud, same same author. But basically, this is a, a correct apology. I'm sorry for the action that I did, whatever it was, and how it affected you. I promise you, I will do everything in my power so it doesn't happen again. What can I do to make it right? That's one way of saying I'm sorry. Listen, I'm sorry. You sure are. Most of the time, you have no idea what you did wrong. Oh, yeah, it's me. Yeah, so, hardly ever know. So until you can identify what the pro- you can't change what we don't acknowledge. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to identify what the problem is to help navigate through that solution. Mm-hmm. And our relationship with God and Jesus Christ is just that. So when people say, how do I get a relationship with God? How do I get a relationship with Jesus Christ today? Well, how did you get a relationship with your wife? You cultivated it. How did you get a relationship with, with your son? You cultivated it. Mm-hmm. How did you get a relationship with your parents? They cultivated it. You know, it, it starts with desire. 
right? I desire a relationship, but I want to know who you are. That's right. Right? It starts with that burning desire in your heart. And then you have to ask questions because I don't, I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. I know that I, I like what I see, mm-hmm. but I don't know who I'm talking to. So for the start, what's your name? How do you like to be called? Right. Right. And you can do the dumb questions. What's your favorite color? What do you like to eat? Right. <laughs> or you can be more engaged and say, so what do you do for a living? You know, how, how do you spend your time when you're not at work? What are some of the things you like to do? And find out what the common ground is. How about this? How are you doing today? What's the best part of your day today? Other than talking to me. Right. Well, <laughs> listen, what was the most challenging part of your day today? And what can we do to make sure it doesn't happen together to happen again? So, listen, I believe the strongest relationships, whether it's with a man and a woman, whether it's with a, a father and a child, a mother and her children, brothers and sisters, friends at work, co-workers, whatever. Relationships are all the same. Just the, the, the parties change. The labels change. The, the rights, the duties, the responsibilities, they remain the same. It's just just the, the dynamic of the relationship changes. And some are deeper. I, I loved my wife differently than I loved my children and my parents, but I loved them all. So it's what I said earlier. It's, it's, it's exercising that relationship. It's exercising the muscle of that relationship so that we are constantly growing and making it stronger, not doing things that will undermine and tear it down. And my relationship with God and Jesus Christ is exactly that. What am I doing today to exercise that relationship? Before I leave my house every day, I tell my, my partner this. I tell her, I say, listen, I love you. And, and this is why. I'm really proud of you, and this is why. And I don't do it this quite this way. I do it a little differently. Like, I'm really proud of you today. Like, you were able to get up and comb your hair. And I'm using that as an example, but it's just, it's, it's a joke, but something. And that no matter what this world throws at us, we'll get through it together. And I found, when I do that with God at 4.30 in the morning, God, I don't know what today is going to throw at us, but it's me and you. We're going to get through it together. You know, God, hey, listen, I'm sorry. Most days I could say, I don't wake up and I don't hear God say, hey, Dom, great job on them 100 tasks yesterday. I wake up and I hear uh, the devil say, hey, you did good on them 99, but I got you on that one and I'll be waiting out there again today. And that's why I say, hey, listen, don't you think I'm going to run around saying, why me? This is my God. Go ahead, try me. You can't take away what you didn't provide. I thought you were going to say something clever like, yeah, what God's going to come for that one. Yeah, that's right. Well, no, we're, we're good. Listen, he, he knows because, listen, if you know anything about exercise, if you don't work for it, you don't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And that relationship with God and Jesus Christ is just that. We have to appreciate it. Do my, am I walking around with an attitude? She has more than I have or he has more than I have. He has a pretty nicer car, a prettier wife. He has more money in the bank. His job's better than mine. Am I saying, thank you, God, for what I got? Is it my, am I walking around with an attitude or am I thanking him with gratitude? What do I want? Honestly, what do you need that you don't have? There's nothing. Well, I mean, probably a new place to, to rent. But that's okay. Story. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's another story. I'm a completely content. I was, yeah. I'm, not, I'm unfazed, unbothered. It's, right. it's another opportunity for me to continue to shine through and, and show the love of God to other Amen. people by our demeanor and our actions. I really feel that a lot of Christians... They stop where they are saved, right? That, that Jesus Christ, God, died for them. And being wonderful news that it is, most Christians stop there. And they don't understand that they're still in this cage. The door's unlocked, but they're still in the cage because they're comfortable. And you're speaking about all this stuff on the outside, right? 
that we have a kingdom that we're inherited, that we're called in the mm. very near presence of God, that we're called as sons and daughters. We're adopted into this, right? And that we're called to, to the Great Commission to represent God Almighty. And, and this is where a lot of the problems come up in our world that people hate Christians is because people poorly represent God. And people will, will blame God for the actions of poor, poor representation. And it's not on God. And then the best part is that we don't go alone. That Jesus says, hey, if you let me, I will come into you and I will love the lost that you can't love. And I will love the broken that you can't love. And I will give you the fortitude to go through this that you can't muster because I am better than you. And then when he starts doing or acting as himself through us, then he's imitating God. And he's really good at that, right? But if we try to do it, we're not very good at it. And we'll break, we'll crumble, we'll fall. We, we mess up and then we ask God, why did this happen this way? Because we're trying to do God's job. All we have to do is allow the impartation of Jesus Christ to overtake our life. I'm glad you said that, Josh. You know the biggest difference between us and God? He didn't wake up this morning and said, hey, let's act like Josh at dawn today. <laughs> you know what I mean? So why would we try to act like him? You know, and, and something else you said was really powerful. Every day is a new opportunity. You know, what you don't know is that it's all about the seasons. And, you, you know, or you, you made a joke earlier about finding the new place to rent. You have no idea what God has in store for you. No. He may have. It's going to be a great story, though. Amen. But here's the, here's the best part. Listen, again, what Satan, Satan meant for evil, God will turn for good. Mm. There's a season and he hasn't revealed it yet to you, but he's going to do something amazing. There's somebody that God needs you to intersect in, in, in their lives. See, not everybody starts this journey and ends this journey with us. So most people are here for a season or two or three. My last relapse is when my mom passed away because I, I, I was mad at God. And I remember going to therapy and I grief therapy. And, and I said, you know, like uh, they talked about having a relationship with God. I said, I had a relationship with God. I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. And I remember the therapist looking at me. She, she said, well, you know, nobody gets out of this thing alive. You know, I've heard you talk about your mom and she's not suffering anymore. I said, yeah, but I'm just mad because I wish I'd have had more time and, and, and this and that. And she says, uh, you know, God can handle your anger. How's it working for you? So, and something else you said there, you said about, um, you know, religion will let us down. Spiritual, I, I'm not a religious man. I'm a spiritual man. Religion pushes us apart. Spirituality brings us together. So with that being said, if you think that you have a right to be mad at uh, a religion, think about Jesus Christ. It was the, the religious the Pharisees that, that, that killed him. Yeah, religion killed Jesus. That's right. So if he forgave them, why can't we? Mm -mm. See, a lot of people want to hold on to their V card, their victim card. Mm -hmm. Poor me. Poor me. Hey, pour me a drink. Hey, pour me a pile of cocaine on the table. Hey, pour me some fentanyl. Listen, I'll show you I'll hurt me. Hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. You heard that statement? All the time. Well, we're going to change that. Starting today, healing people, heal people. Mm -hmm. I refuse to give the devil a key to this house when he don't have one to his own. Mm -hmm. You know, it reminds me of a phrase, if it breaks God's heart, why do we think it will fulfill ours? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something to, to really hold on to with that. Oftentimes we seek personal enjoyment, what we think is enjoyment. We seek something to, to fill a hole in our lives. And, and Shelly has experience in this. And, and she has a little phrase that she likes to say that 
she would do certain things to fill an H-O-L-E hole in her life. And then she had a relationship with Jesus and he made her W-H-O-L-E. There you go. And I think a lot of us strive, especially in today's world, with trying to feel accepted so much so that we miss our God-given right of acceptance that's right before us. You know what you said that. Say them words again. Say it again. We miss our God-given right. So that is our inheritance. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, we live in a world where everybody's like, "What did you? What did your? You know, so and so passed away. What did their parents leave them? Well, your God, your Father, gave you an inheritance, and it's yours. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is invite Him in. Mm-hmm. You have to claim it. Claim it. You can walk away. Absolutely. Right. You can want nothing to do with it. That's right. But that sounds foolish to me. Me too, <laughs> but that's just this two guys' opinion. And you think about where your life is today and where it's going. I may not know where he's taken me, but I know where he's taken me from. Mm-hmm. You know, God didn't open up the doors to heaven and let me in, but he did open up the doors to hell and let me out. Mm. Yeah, I'm at that point in my life where I don't know where he's taken me. I like the ride, so I'm okay with it. Right. It's quite the adventure. My goodness, what are you like? How can you not want a road trip with God? Like, where are we going? How could you not want Him with you? You know, we were we took a road trip yesterday out to Cleveland. I had to go see a dentist. Uh, some stuff I'm going to have done, and and uh, and it was me and Sam and Amy and Don, and we were, and we had the puppy for the road because we're going to take him to Florida with me in a couple weeks when I go. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see if he could tolerate the trip. But it was a spiritual base. We didn't have one song on the radio. We we sat around and we talked about God and where he was in our lives and our relationships and, and, and what we could do to be better people. You know, there wasn't gossip and innuendo about, did you hear what he did and she did and blah, blah, blah. And it was, you know, it was more so, hey, listen, look at the growth in this person and, and what can we do to cultivate them to help them get to the next level. And I got home last night and I was sitting there and I, I every day I do this in inventory, you know, what's the best part of my day, worst part of my day, you know, what, what could I have done differently? You know, did I, did I miss an opportunity? I'd rather be burned and screwed over 99 times and miss that one person that God puts in our life to try to help. And when yesterday I was sitting there about 930 at night going, it was a pretty God day. Mm-hmm. I didn't say a good day. It was a God day because every God day is a good day. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Agreed. Dominic, it was uh, it was really great having you on. And as Shelly stated earlier, the more she gets to know you, the more she really likes you. I mean, I am absolutely in love with you. You are just a personality. You are every bit on the outside or on the inside what you portray on the outside. You are every bit the person, a man of God. I remember we had a, a there was a concert here and we Amen. a young man outside and, and I was talking to him and you came out unashamed, just started tag team loving this guy. And uh, I just really appreciate your heart that you have for Jesus. I appreciate especially knowing where you came from. You know, you, you came from organized or disorganized crime, right. and you've been shot a couple times in the line of, of the Miss Duty, and you are in a place now that is so far from that life that it seems unreal that it could possibly be. Like, you are literally a different human being. Amen. Completely, utterly, and without fail, another human being on this earth that God has blessed us with. And I, I for one, am really, really grateful for a man of your caliber to be in the kingdom. Thank you. And, and let me start off by saying thank you for the human side of that. But that's that's not me. That's all by and for him. Mm-hmm. See, he had to take me through that road, that 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 hell. 
and, and bring me on as a testimony to his grace and mercy. So people can look and say, if it can happen with Dom, if it can happen with Shelly, if it can happen with Josh, it can happen to you. You know, somebody said, uh, I just heard somebody got a new convertible and they said, uh, somebody said, I want that car. I said, then do what he did. Huh? Then do what he did. If you want what we have to offer and you're willing to make any effort to get it, then be ready to take some certain steps. And one of them is to have that relationship with God. If you want what I have in my life today, mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, materially, then build that relationship with God and Jesus Christ because none of it's mine. It's all his. Mm -hmm. Seek him first. Mm -hmm. And, and, And you know what? Be a good steward. Mm. Somebody said to me recently, they said, you know, your kindness and generosity. It's not me. I'm a naturally selfish person. Uh It's bred into us. But I can be selfish or I can be selfless. I can be God-fearing and still be God-knowing. The love I have for my God and his son, Jesus Christ, is the love he had for me. It's unconditional. So... If you want a conditional life, I ain't your guy. Shelly, you're not the girl. Josh, you're not the guy. But if you want an unconditional relationship with the God of your understanding, by all means, do what we do. Come join us. I, you know, I said it earlier when we weren't on the show. You know, somebody said to me, well, that doesn't sound very Christian-like. Well, what church do you go to? Maybe I'm reading that scripture wrong. Let's read it together. I look at that as an opportunity I find actually most non-Christians feel that we're perfect. I had somebody say to me, does your church give away free turkeys? I said, I, I don't know. I've never, I've never been part of that. But, uh, but, but hey, uh, I could check into it. Why don't you come on out? Oh, I just want the free turkey. I said, well, doesn't your church give away free turkeys? Well, I don't go to church. Maybe if you went to church, you wouldn't need a free turkey. But if you came to my church, I promise you, someone gets you a turkey. For sure. If you want a, a life with Christ, then you got to be Christ-like. And that sounds hard. And it is hard in your own strength. Amen. But if you allow him, as I said earlier, for Jesus to overtake your life, it works. I know we're running out of time, but there's something I want to say. Hey, listen, this is the easiest relationship you're ever going to have. If you invite him in, he comes in. If you ask him to leave, he walks away. How many times do you try to get out of a bad relationship, a toxic relationship? They never go away. But if I invite God and Jesus Christ into my life, he comes in. If I ask him to leave, he goes away. We didn't have shootings in in the courthouse when we had the Ten Commandments there and we had God in there. Mm -hmm. We didn't have many shootings in the school when we had God in there. Mm -hmm. You ask him to leave, he went away. I would rethink that position. Absolutely. Not that I know a whole lot. I do know this. I'm going to keep God in my circle. My life's a whole lot safer. Absolutely. And with that, we thank you for listening to us and letting, you know, the Holy Spirit guide this conversation. And with that, I'd like to say that we have a fundraising campaign that helps us with the audio expenses because we do not edit this ourselves. We have a professional that helps. It's not our gifting. Goodness, no. And so it does not bring us joy. So with that, if you go to givesandgo.com and look up God's Goodness Podcast, you can make a donation there and we would greatly appreciate the help. And we'll talk to you next time.